Get my little dice ready. Come on, babies. Don't let Vasa return a corpse. <laughs> Although I would love to see their faces when that happened. <laughs> Woke up in a lucid dream. Now we're hunting for the shards. We might be an oddball team. But at least we've got no Hey everyone, this is Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers, and what you're about to listen to is pretty different from the norm. So if you haven't listened to episode 11 yet, you're going to want to stop this and go check it out. For those of you that have listened, you know that at the end, Vasa was caught up in a temporal blast of energy and disappeared. And so after the game, I pitched an idea to the group. What if Jane and I played a side adventure to find out what happened to her? Then we could still play like normal without having interruptions or split parties, and you know, Jane was okay with it, and the group thought it would work out, so we tried it out. We liked it so much, we decided that whenever the group had situations like this, we would do side adventures and put them up on Patreon. It means I have to run double games on those weeks, but it's been worth it. I've been waiting to share this since the night we recorded it. Even the rest of the World Walkers have never heard of this episode. I want to take this chance to thank you all for supporting the podcast. It blows me away that people take the time to listen to our crazy games every week, and I'll never really be able to tell you how much this means to me. I'm incredibly grateful, and I'm going to keep pouring my heart into this as long as you're willing to listen. And this episode's made possible because you guys support the podcast. So, again, thanks for making this happen. Now, let's see what happened to Vasa. So, last we left off, you had rolled into uh, a burst of energy. Well, you had rolled out of the way of a burst of energy, but the second one uh, mm-hmm. traveled the ground and connected with you. Yep. And so, there was a huge blue explosion, um, and everything kind of went white for you for a second. And you you feel you felt weightless for just a moment, and then suddenly, everything cleared, and it was... It's the same library, but all the lights are on. There are floating lanterns all over the library. That large crystal that was in the middle uh, is missing. Um, and you hear, I mean, it's a library, so it's quiet, right? But <laughs> you can hear people in the library as you suddenly just appear on the ground. Um, as you turn and look around, uh, there is a little boy, and he's sitting on the uh, library table, and he's got a big book. He's got kind of scruffy hair, um, simple clothes, and he looks up at you, and it takes you a moment to realize who you're looking at, but then it, it clicks with you that you're looking at a little kid version of Tompkins. Well, I suppose... Vasa obviously would be very stiff as she's sort of still in fight mode because she was literally a second ago. (laughs) But as she locks eyes with this little boy and through her adrenaline-pumped mind sinks in what she's looking at, she very slowly sheaths her weapons first. Mm -hmm. And he kind of just turns his head and looks at you and he says, Who are you? And then Vasa would say... What is your name, child? Uh, I'm Tompkins. 
How old are you? How old am I? Yeah. Six. How is this old your home? You? No, no, we're just we're just visiting. Who's we? My mom and dad and I. So Vasa would kind of look around and. It would be sort of like a passive perception check, but she would just basically try to scan the other people if she can see any in the library, like it's, take stock of them. Mm-hmm. They're they're up on the second floor in the study area, so they haven't really noticed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there like anybody else you can see, like just other librarian people? <clears throat> there is. There's another librarian. Um, there's a librarian coming towards you. Um, he's wearing just a uh, simple tunic. Um, everything's kind of like nice and pressed and tucked in. Uh, and then he has robes over that. He has kind of a, a real thin beard, and he has uh, light brown hair that he tries to keep out of his eyes, but he's not very successful. He's wearing glasses, and uh, the thing that catches your eye immediately is the fact that the same crystals that you saw on the end of the staffs, he has one floating next to him, no staff. Um, it looks much more vibrant and much more powerful than when you first saw it. And like I said, it's just floating next to him kind of casually. And he walks up, hands in his uh, robe pockets. And he says, ma'am, may I, may I help you? Does Tompkins, his ro- is she bothering you? And he's, he's like, no, not yet. So I sort of, Vasa would sort of kind of reach out and clap a hand on little Tompkins' shoulder. Be like, we're <laughs> friends. He's, he's teaching me what's in his book. It's fascinating stuff, isn't it, Tompkins? And he says, eh... And he kind of looks down, and uh, the librarian says, "You you you know a lot about dreams." And you look down, and the book seems to be a book about dreams. Vasa would kind of look again at this librarian. By the way, does the librarian's clothing resemble anything of the clothes men that attacked them earlier? Uh, actually, yeah, it's got the same patterns and stuff, but it looks uh, neatly pressed and well uh, taken care of. Okay, and I Vasa would look at this librarian and say, "What do you know of dreams?" Well, I mean, nothing, right? I, I mean, and he kind of looks around. He's like, I can look up what you need me to know. I, I just, I'm not an expert on dreams. Uh, Vasa would um, sort of give a little frivolous little flip of her hand towards the bobbing crystal near the man and be like, interesting crystal you have there. Is that your lantern? No, these are, and he stops a second. He goes, where did you come from? Oh, I strolled in, and this was such a gorgeous building, I just had to check. My old man never got me much into reading, you know, and I just, I feel that I've missed out. I so envy you for working here. So he takes a step back, and the crystal hovers uh, until it's in front of his face, and he's looking at you through the crystal, and then he moves the crystal back, and he says, How did you get here? When are you from? Vasa would kind of look at him twice and say, What did you ask me? When are you from? You're you're not from this time at all. And he just kind of keeps studying you. And the crystal every now and then, as, he, as you can see him process and think, the crystal kind of churns and starts to glow a little more too. Not threatening, just like it's thinking alongside with him. Vasa would... She would she kind of take a stock of this man and kind of look at his face and his clothing, and then she would very, very slowly say, as she points at the crystal, your little friend sent me here. But you seem to 
Your, your timeline's very long. I mean, it would be impossible for me to, or for this one, for this crystal to have sent you back this far. I mean, they don't, I don't know, it, it's very weird. And he kind of folds his arms, and he says, Tompkins, why don't you run along and go find your parents? And he's like, okay. And he slams the book way too loud for a library and throws it on the table and takes off running. Vasa, as, she, as he seems to run off, would be like, yeah. would yell at him, Tompkins! He turns around and he's like, I didn't do it! You always wait longer than three weeks for people, Tompkins. Never what? forget that. Three weeks. Always longer than three weeks. Oh, okay. And he but runs away. She waves him off. <laughs> All right. So um, <clears throat> after he runs off, he says, now, where where did you come from again? Vasa would say, do you have a private place for us to talk? Well, and he looks around. And he says, I guess we could, but before he could finish his thought, the doors fly open, and a young woman with light orange hair, same robes, um, comes charging in, and she says, they're here, they're here, everyone, we have to run, we have to run, and the whole library kind of comes to life, people start to panic and move around and everything, and she's looking around trying to gather books that she needs to, and she's like, everybody run, run. and Orton says, they're not supposed to be here yet, how did they... Vasa oh would God. grab the arm of the man that was next and be like, who's here, what's happening? And he looks at you and his eyes grow wide, he says, the Kronos, the Kronos are here, come with me, and he just takes off running. Okay, she would immediately follow. Yep, so they're running along, and he's going into uh, different rooms, going into, like, faculty rooms, essentially, trying to get everyone up and moving and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> he finds somebody else, and he says, The young boy, Tompkins, that's always in here. Go find him. Escort his family out of this town. They need to get out of here as soon as, as, soon as possible. And he kind of nods and takes off running. And he turns around... And he, he thinks for just the briefest of seconds, and then he says, I need you to take this. And he actually physically grabs his crystal and kind of looks like he rips it off of some kind of visible anchor. And there's people who are coming around him looking for uh, help, like for advice or, you know, direction. And as soon as he does that, they, they all gasp in fear. And he says, you're the only one that can protect this. You need to take this right now and hide. The Kronos are here, and if you don't know who the Kronos are, they are the manipulators of time. They've come to de deconstruct this entire area. They found out what we're up to. This crystal's our only salvation. They don't know who you are. Please. I Basso know you would don't- Basso would interrupt and say, what's the secret of this crystal? How do I protect it? How do I use it? I just need you to hide. Are you good at hiding? Can you get away from it, people? I. Vasa would say, yes, but you should come with me. I will come with you. I can't risk it. They're after me as well. Well, Vasa would say, how do I get back to my timeline? How do I stop the Kronos in my timeline? He says, I'm so sorry. I have no answers for you right now. If you can please hide that crystal, I'll find you. If they find the crystal, everything ceases to be. Vasa would... Um, based on the based on the level of activity in the room and the rising level of panic, yeah. how many seconds or minutes do you think Vasa would have left in that room before, like before? You know what? No, that's a that's a shitty question. I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> try. 
I guess like if I was in person, I would sort of like have a better gauge. But no, yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess she she would say she would say um you know what is the secret of these crystals? In in my time, these were dangerous. These these crystals are they exist outside of time, and they're the entirety of our memories. And we think there's a lot more they can do. Uh, we think that they can manipulate time. We don't know quite yet. And the Kronos are here to destroy them and us. Vaso would say, the Kronos are here to destroy these crystals? Yes. How do you destroy them? <laughs> the Kronos can interrupt timelines. They can cease timelines to exist. They don't have to do anything. There's nothing we can do to stop them. That's why we just need to hide that crystal. Vaso would say, where are you hiding the rest of the crystals? This is the only one that matters. The rest of them are just tools people use. This is our main crystal. This is the one that stores all all of our memories and our timelines as much as we've been able to store inside of it. If Basso we can keep say, this crystal safe, we can keep the city safe. Basso would say, who are you people? In my time, men like you attacked my friends and I. I can't answer something from the future, and I'm so sorry. Please, we don't have any more time. Will you help oh. us? Well, Vasa would take the crystal. Um, what does it feel like in her hand? Uh, it feels pretty heavy. And if once you hold it, you feel like you're looking at a thousand books at once. And if you wanted to, you could sit down and f- concentrate on any one book, start flipping pages, and then just read whatever you wanted to. Okay. So Vasa would, um, how big is it? Like if you were to- Yeah, yeah. It's about like two feet tall. Are you <laughs> so you okay? have to so clutch it. Yeah, you have to clutch it and like hug it or like tuck it under a cloak or something like that. It's it's not easily uh hideable. Dude, I thought it was like the size of like an orange. Ugh. No, no. Vasa <laughs> uh, would also comment something like, "You don't exactly hide a floating shiny crystal." And then she would say, "How do I?" She would say, "You need to tell me how do I get rid of these crystals or stop them." And he stops. He goes, "I don't understand. We don't want to stop the crystals. They have our lives in them." Who are you people? I will tell you everything you need to know once we're safe, please. Okay. Well, then Vasa will kind of look, look around the room and immediately snap her fingers at somebody who's wearing a cloak and be like, you, give me your cloak now. And uh, they look to uh, the gentleman and he nods and they whips the cloak off, throws it at you. And then Vasa would ask the man, like, you know, where do you have any hidden corridors? Where's your back door? Uh, or, or your inner rooms? And the uh, gentleman says, I, I, I will escort you outside of the building. Okay. They're coming for this building, almost assuredly, and he takes off running. Okay, Vasa would follow. How heavy is this crystal? It's not very heavy. Like, it's heavier. It, it has a heft to it, more so than you think a crystal would, but we're talking maybe a couple pounds. If okay, that. so it's just, it's not as heavy as it looks. Right. Is, okay. Right. So it's she heavier would, uh, than it looks, I guess. It depends on, uh, maybe I'm biased against crystals. <laughs> to me, like I'm thinking, like a solid crystal that's two feet tall. It's like it's gonna be like. 10, oh no! But it still 20, looks. It has that kind of hollow look, like it's oh, just okay. like glass so, almost. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. um, it's maybe like I said, almost like a bag of flour, if that. All right. Well, then she would um, wrap it in the cloak and sort of, almost as if you were to make um, a swaddle or something, like kind yeah. of tie the cloak around her neck or her shoulder so oh, that she's nice. carrying it. Yeah. Nice. So she, her arms are still free. Okay. So yeah, you quickly throw it over your back. Get it all nice and tight, and you take off running, <clears throat> and he takes you towards a back exit, and he says, thank you. I don't even know your name, but thank you. So, and then she says, where should I go in the city that's safe, that the Kronos have more difficulty reaching? And he says, they've never been here before, so 
anywhere dark, anywhere secret. I maybe a house, maybe um um. I, I, okay. I don't know. And then you you watch him, and then suddenly he just turns to sand, like he holds his form, and then falls to the ground as a pile of golden sand. Fasa would pretty much wordlessly pivot on her feet and take off running in the opposite <laughs> direction. Like, not even a moment to be like, oh shit, be like, that's my sign to go. Um, she would she would obviously go in a beeline away from the direction of the library, yeah. but um, she might actually double back real quick, kind of like in a roundabout. Well, no, no. Let's see. Um... Remind me how? Well, anyway, let's just say that she has a vague. Does the does the does the city vaguely resemble the sort of broken down city that she was it in? Does, once you step out, yes, it's the same yep. city, but it's vibrant, beautiful. Lots of time is spent on the architecture. Every mm-hmm. building's a work of art. So she would actually giving the library wide berth. Something would kind of click, and she goes fine. And she actually kind of doubles around, trying to navigate her way back to the building where they were hiding with the scrawling on the wall. Yep. Okay. So once you make it around the library, give me a stealth check. Okay. Uh, stealth check. D twenty. Twelve plus four plus six, so twenty-two. All right. So you come out of the alley and you're trying to get across the street, and you have you have just a second to look and see what's going on. High in the sky. There is a gentleman in blue robes with white trim. Um, He has a uh, thick red beard, and he has thick red hair kind of flying everywhere in the air. Um, He is floating effortlessly in the sky, and he has two cables that look like they're made of sand. And he's just kind of floating through the area, and whenever he feels like it, he will lash out one of those like sand cables and it stretches out far enough to hit a building and the entire building turns to sand and then collapses. And when he does that, sometimes you see people disappear as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a person on the ground. Uh, she has long blonde hair pulled into a uh, long braid that reaches to her lower back. She is also wearing these same robes. And at one point she turns around to look at her companion in the sky, and when she does, you see that she has the emblem of a white hourglass on her back. White hourglass. Okay. And then she turns back around, and she, the one up above, is kind of thinking, and it looks like he's trying to, he's got some kind of strategy going here, whereas she looks like she's just having fun. Like, she sees someone in the, uh, in the area, and she kind of smirks and gives a snap of her fingers, and that person just turns to sand and crumbles to the ground. And then maybe two or three other people near them crumble after this person does. So they're just kind of having fun running through the city, and uh, at one point you can hear the woman say, she's like, Orden, where are you, honey? And then she stops and looks at the library. So at this point, you're able to keep running now. It doesn't seem like they've seen you. She would start running in the direction they had intended to in the original time before they were blocked off. She would run because she remembers that there was supposedly like a like a rear exit out there, like rear gates or something. Yep, yep. She would head that way. Yep. So you duck around, you dart between uh, the shadows, make your way through the alleys, <clears throat> and at one point you kind of run out of alleys and you've got to. You're still on the sides 
kind of navigating through when uh, suddenly you feel something coarse wrap around your neck and pull you and throw you against the wall. And you mm-hmm. turn around and you see that person with the sand cables. The blue, the blue rope? Yeah, and he's kind of casually walking up to you. He's got the cables around your neck and he doesn't look like he's making any threatening motions. Uh, instead, he looks kind of confused. Like, as you turn around, it looks like he was excited for a moment and now he's just absolutely puzzled. And uh, he walks close enough to you to talk and he says, uh, Now, who are you? Well, Vasa would immediately sort of like kind of crumple a little little bit as she's grabbing at the cloak and she'd be like, Oh, please, sir, please, I'm just passing through here. Please, don't hurt me. Whatever you're doing these people, I don't know them. I don't care about them. I'm just passing through. Please let me go home to my family. And he's, he's kind of not even listening. He's just like, Where is your timeline? Where does it end? What words are you saying, sir? I don't know what you're saying. Please don't hurt me. How how solid is this cable? It is, even though it it feel, even though it, it looks and feels like sand, mm-hmm. um, it's as sturdy as steel. Mm-hmm. And um, the woman what comes. This? What? Okay. Um, oh. What does um like? Are there any apparent weapons from this man, or is he just kind of glowing with magic? He just has this sand that's coming out of his sleeves. <sighs> and the woman comes around the corner, and she's like, "Kerbin, who is this?" He says, I, I don't know. She she didn't crumble at all. Like, she... Well, Vasa looked, would sort of start hyperventing, like, I can't breathe! Oh, God! I can't breathe! And her knees would kind of sink down as yeah. if she was, like, actually turning red and blue. She'd be like, I can't breathe! And, oh, God, the Lord! And so uh, the the lady is like, Kerbin, let, let her go. Look at her. She's, she's miserable. And uh, Kerbin lets the sand collapse and it kind of just just like it hits the ground and immediately dissipates uh, and then Vasa would kind of like fall down to one knee and sort of like hold him like, oh thank you thank you good masters thank you for taking kind kindness on me you are you are you mages are you what my masters are you you're so grand and uh the lady she says well my name is Solon and she helps you up uh, what does she feel hand. like she feels uh soft to the touch she feels mm-hmm. kind and gentle Mm-hmm. Almost welcoming, mm-hmm. um, and she helps you up, and she says, "Dear, where are you from?" And she says, and then she says, "Oh, I'm I'm from this little village, but there's these these men and these these books, and I just always wanted to learn how to read, and they I followed them here, but then the city all went crazy in the sands, and I don't know, I should never have left my village. I should have listened to my father. I don't know why I'm here. Who are you? Are you? Are they, did they do something bad? Are, are they criminals? I swear I'm not a criminal. And she kind of just kind of blathers on yeah. like this panicked young lady. And you see this smile come across her face, like almost like just like really uncomfortable grin, and she's like, Kerman, she is a magnificent liar. And her head kind of turns. Mm-hmm. She's not sure I've ever met somebody of her caliber before. Like, it is going to be extremely fun taking lives from you until we find out where you're from. And at that moment, you see three different uh, people jump out from around a corner and charge her. They've got their crystals in their hands. They're not nearly as big as the uh, gentleman's crystal that you're mm-hmm. carrying. But mm-hmm. each of them rams those crystals into her and uh, the, the other gentleman, Kerbin, and they scream in pain and they're confused and the three people that uh, jam their crystals in, they look at you and say, run, run now! 
Blasta would turn and run All without right. hesitation. So you take off and run, and the moment that Solon, the lady, recovers from that pain, as she turns her head and looks back at them and her hair kind of flies in the wind, they immediately turn into sand and just kind of blow away in that same gust of wind. Fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, give me another stealth check. Okay. We got a 21 this time. Nice. So <clears throat> you take off, you jump into a building, you run, you jump out of the window of that building, and you run to the next building. You're, you're, you're done with just the alleyways. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going in and out of buildings and everything you can to do. And within... If she if she had a chance, she would actually potentially, uh, like, grab some, like, a, another cloak if she happened to pass through a house and there was <laughs> one and sort of, like, wrap it around herself. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And so you take off running, and after about 10 or 15 minutes of running, um, there's no noise. She doesn't, she doesn't look over her shoulder. She just kind of focuses on, on the, uh, the distant wall that, you know, we said was roughly like maybe half an hour dash away or something. And she's still doing her little zigzagging pattern of running in and out of houses. Yep, yep. If she can, she would join crowds of people running. Because mm-hmm. yep. I'm assuming the entire city is in chaos. Yep, yeah, and that's, yeah, you're able to slip in and out of crowds as you need to. Especially it, now that she's wearing the clothing of the locals. Mm-hmm. Yep, so um, after about like 15, 20 minutes or so of darting around, running straight, never looking back, never giving yourself pause to rest or catch your breath, you suddenly hear uh, the voice of that woman's. Uh, Solon, she said her name was, kind of echo throughout the city. And she says, Dear citizens, it is uh, unfortunate that your intelligence and your brilliance must end here. You were very close to solving the riddle of time. Unfortunately, you came far too close for us to feel comfortable. And so with that, we bid you adieu. We're sorry, this is how it ends, but luckily no one will ever remember you, so there will be no pain. And... So Avasa would mutter under her breath, a sadistic little bitch. (laughs) So you hear this, like, this kind of pulse that has a kind of a grainy texture to it in your ear. And you see as... You can see the epicenter of where it happens, because you see buildings... Um, in kind of like an outward pattern stretching out and getting closer and closer to you you see buildings just turn to sand more and more and more uh, as if this wave is coming right at you guys people are screaming running in terror holding each other and the wave is getting closer and closer to you and closer to you and right now you're in the middle of a street so yeah you duck at the last second you jump and tumble and duck behind a building the wave hits the building, and the sand collapses and kind of buries you for a minute. Mm-hmm. But you don't feel like you got hit by that wave. Yeah. Um, and then you hear the woman one more time. And she's like, this is taking too long. I'm bored. And there's just like this quick... <sniffs> and when you pull out of the sand and you open your eyes, you are in a familiar-looking dark and dreary place. So the city as as its ruined state? You look to the sky and you see the two moons 
and you realize that you're back in the gray. What's the gray again? That shadow world that you guys were in. Ah, f- fuck. <laughs> and, and she would say that too. She'd kind of like put her hands on her hips and go, fuck. <laughs> um, so you kind of stand up and the buildings are still kind of around you. Like Most of them got hit and turned to sand, mm-hmm. but there's a small number that are still standing actually somehow. And there are even some people who are still around and they start to stand up and they brush sand that starts to kind of dissipate. Vasa immediately um, throws herself to hide behind anything, a rock, uh, something that leaves her not out in the open. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and they stand up and you can hear real mummering and going, what? What happened? What happened? And uh, through the crowd walks that same gentleman that uh, gave you the crystal in the first place. And mm-hmm. you get the feeling he was trying to tell you and keep an eye on you. He didn't just send mm-hmm. you out to the wolves. Um, but he walks towards your general area and he says, ma'am, ma'am, stranger, are you with us? Vasa doesn't answer. She actually yeah. stays out of sight. And uh, he stops, and he looks at everybody, and he says, I, uh, I'm sorry, everyone. I don't know how to tell you this, but we are in the gray now. We are in the collection of shattered timelines that is sort of the graveyard of the Kronos. And people kind of look dis- I mean, they, they, you can hear them kind of openly sobbing, holding each other, gasping. And he says, it may not feel like solace right now, but we were saved by a stranger who has our memory crystal. That crystal is going to allow us to one day return back to our world. And he just, he he wants to say more. He wants to inspire his people. He wants to tell them what they need to hear. And he's just kind of out of words. And he just grows quiet. Yeah. Vasa would sort of observe them for maybe five or ten minutes. Just kind of see if their their sorrow and, and their dejection is genuine. And then if she, if eventually, like, I mean, her, I feel like, uh, her perception or anything would kind of see through any like, oh, Loa is me things. <laughs> so eventually she would sort of kind of step out and kind of like yeah. like act as if she was batting sand off of her clothing. She says, I don't know what you're sobbing about. I was the one running away uh, protecting your damn crystal, which I don't know a damn about. He turns around and he looks ecstatic. He runs towards you. And he says, ma'am, thank you so much. You have no idea what you've done here She would today. actually hold out a hand and just kind of like, not, not, not stop him, but sort of like grab his cloak. He says, "Listen, you sir, you're no, you're going to explain to me right now why the hell I was running from two sadistic, cold ass bitches with your crystal. What is this crystal about? Where are we? Because I have sure as hell did not want to come back here, not for you." And he kind of nods and he says, "That's that's fair." Everyone gather around. There are some of you that don't know this. Basso kind of mutter under her breath, "Oh, it's fucking story time." <laughs> so, um. He says, let me first tell you the name of our city is, or was, or is, 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 uh, Majodi. And I and a 
number of other scholars from our city had recently discovered these crystals that seem to just grow in our region. These these crystals have all sorts of potential. They they have a sort of a time-based energy locked away inside of them and it's giving us it's given us a clear view of what our world how our world works and by using these crystals we have learned amongst other things that our world's not our own our world is manipulated by a group of chronomancers uh, uh, uh sorry magic users that manipulate time um at least we think they're magical and they are known as the chronos they call themselves the chronos rather and they seem to have an active hand in manipulating the entirety of time and the evidence that we've gathered shows that they actually have destroyed the world several times and rebuilt it trying to attain some sort of utopia when they destroy timelines it seems like fragments of them end up in this side world that we had just recently discovered call we we call it the gray we had just started learning how to sort of lace our memories and our more i guess a better way to put it is our the facts of our timelines within our crystals because we were getting ready to move to the next step which was to actually try to use these crystals to jump forward just small bursts in time at first but we wanted to find ways to further use these crystals um unfortunately the chronos we had suspected that they had heard about us that they had learned about us and they jealously guard any and all uh decryptions of time-based magic and as you saw today, they came for us and they tried to wipe us out. And it's because of that crystal. It's because of you and what you did today that saved us and kept us from disappearing completely. Because we lost a lot of people today. But because of what you were able to save of us, we can rebuild and we we owe you our lives we are we owe you our existence anything that we can do to help you especially when it comes to returning to your original time that we can we can do that vasa would despite this like incredible story she would actually kind of look unimpressed or a little bit impatient she's like <laughs> just fucking saving everything these days freeing lives can't manage themselves ah you know and then um she would say, she would kind of like tab hard on this man's uh, upper shoulder chest. Be like, you know, sir, where I come from, a shriveled old fucker that looks exactly that wearing robes exactly like yours attacked my friends and not you. Explain that. And they were using these crystals, but they looked hella less nice than they do right now. And he's trying not to smile, but he can't help it. It's not a malicious smile; it's just more of a like a. Like a realization, and he says, what, what you're telling me is that we make it back. She um, Then Vasa would say, you make it back as these degenerate, broken, 
you know, corrupted people. If that's what you're going to turn into, I will have no part in that. I will have no part in helping your return. Sure. But you're in a unique position to help us then. If you know of some terrible fate that befalls us, if we turn into these twisted, shriveled creatures you're talking about, help us. Stay with us. We'll help you get back to your timeline. But you could actually change that, couldn't you? I mean, just by telling us now, I'd have to suspect it's going to have some sort of impact. Well, she's saying, well, then Vasa would apply, what is your plan to get out of here? So, (laughs) the crystal that you saved, that's our anchor. It keeps us from unraveling like the uh, sands of time that you saw earlier. We want to use... I mean... Vasa kind of interrupts him or says, Why do you think you became such twisted creatures upon your return? I don't know if it has to do with this place. I don't know... I mean, honestly... I don't even know how far into the future you're from. You may not have even encountered us. You may have encountered descendants of ours. What's the what's the area that they're standing in look like? It's dark, twisted. The rock somehow looks like it's died, even though rocks mm-hmm. don't have a life force. Yeah. These are like um, dead-looking rocks. Yeah, it looks drained of color. Um, every now and then there's like a flash of lightning in the sky, but there's no clouds, no rain. Mm-hmm. And it's just a barren wasteland. Uh, not too Can far from here, there is a series of... There's a cliff, and it looks like there's a series of bones. Almost like a creature died trying to climb the cliff, and then died and decayed immediately in frozen place. Like, you could almost walk the bones if you needed to. Can can she see the sort of spire arrangement that housed the sort of skeletal flying creatures that she combated earlier? Far from here, you can. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So she would, uh, she would kind of indicate the area of the spire. She says, that place, nasty place. Don't go near there <laughs> to, the, to the crowd. So you've been both, you're from the future and you've been in this world before? And she says, oh yeah, it's a charming place. That's why I came back here in the first place. And then she would say, all right, all right, what's, what's your name, sir? My name is Orden. And he uh, puts his hand out to shake yours. She, she kind of like, you know, gives it a brief, like, yep, whatever. <laughs> Um, and then she says, Odin, how do, you, how do you plan to get back? At this moment, and he kind of looks at everybody because everyone else is staring at him. They've been silent this whole time and they're waiting for him to, to take lead. And he says, I am going to plan on trying to focus the energies of the crystal until we can punch a hole and drag our entire city back. Do you, do you need a... Like, how do you focus it? Stay with us and I'll teach you. Mm. Well, I wasn't planning on going anywhere else in the in the <laughs> meantime. So she would sort of, then she would say, oh, you know, uh, are there caves of, nearby or anything? Like mountainous ranges that look like they might serve as shelter? Not in this area, no. It's 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 flat out. I mean, well, there are sh- there's shelter because you have some buildings left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but she would um she would say she would kind of um pat the the wrapped crystal over her shoulder. She says, "Best I hold on to this in case those Chronos of yours come chasing us, us again. Wouldn't want your people to fall again into their hands." No, I agree. I would very much appreciate it if you protected it for us. Mm-hmm. And he looks like that sincerely. It's like he's not playing your game. He's like, mm-hmm. "No, that's smart." Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And Vasa's like, yeah, 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 it's smart. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah. She would kind of clap. She's like, all right, how do we get these crystals to work? As in, like, all right, let's get down to business. No time to waste. He says that there's a lot to teach you, and there's a lot for us to still figure out. And um, he takes you, uh, like, he he helps everyone get settled first. Um, Define settled. Finding shelter for them, places to. sleep for the night and stuff like that. After that's the case, he goes back to the library, which there's only a few walls of it left. And once he goes inside, uh, like where the library should be, he's like, do you, do you mind if I see the crystal for a moment? Boss would say, why? What I'm hoping is that I can restore part of this library. Vasa kind of goes, well, all right. And she, maintaining a grip on it, she yeah. sort of unravels the top of it and sort of like offers to let him touch it, but she doesn't give yep. him possession yep. of it. And so, yeah, he that's all he wanted. He just, he places his hand on it and focuses and he just takes a deep breath. And then you can see the walls kind of start to stretch. You can see books start to populate. Almost as if, like, as he remembers parts of the building, parts of the building start to come back. And if you give him enough time, about 15 minutes, he has most of the library pulled out of the crystal from that point. And then he has to pull back, and he holds his head, and he sits down for a moment, and he's... It is a lot more taxing than I thought it would be. Boss would say, oh, and she would kind of like look around at the slowly rebuilding line. She's like, oh, I'm not afraid of attracting attention, are you? And then she'd kind of look at the crystal and be like, can you pull out any mead from here? And she's like, you know, as if she's kind of like holding the crystal as if it (laughs) it might pour out some mead. She's like, you know, a a nail, anything? Uh, I'm so sorry. Of course not. Of course not. She would wrap up the crystal, sling it back over her her back. All right, well, let's get to work and he starts looking through books to try to find some books he can start showing you kind of helping you understand what's going on after about an hour's worth of research you kind of start understanding a little bit that these crystals are naturally growing um almost well he explains that he believes that the interference from that group the chronos has caused little junctions of time interruption to fracture into Obrimos. And it takes the uh, form of these little crystals. And so he thinks that they're kind of a natural byproduct of what's happening, almost as if time is starting to resist their manipulation. He actually thinks that the gray is a result of that, too. He doesn't believe the gray has always existed. He thinks that it's a result of them forcing destruction upon timelines because they have to go somewhere. So as you start to kind of do that little bit of research, uh, give me a perception check. Do, 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 do. That would be a 22. 
you're kind of listening intently, trying to understand what he's saying. Uh, he's a pretty good teacher. When suddenly you hear the familiar screeching of like, ah! from outside with the flap of wings as well. Uh, and he looks up, he's like, what is that? And then she would say, uh, she would kind of grab him and sort of like start pulling him along, explaining as she goes. <laughs> yeah. She like, you know, she says, these creatures, you don't want to fight them. She would say, and they have some poison, some some plague that uh, erases from memory anyone they kill. At least that's what the little dwarf told me. As she's pulling more, yeah. she says, either way, your people need to get to safety now. Oh we God. need to get to safety now. And yeah, you, you rip them out. Um, and as soon as you open the door, one of those creatures is just descending right on you. Um, Can she slam the door immediately? Yeah, uh, yeah. You actually, I wrote initiative already. You have the, you you got initiative, so you get to shut the door immediately. Yeah, she shuts the door immediately. Give me one more she... perception check to see if you notice something. Okay, this time we got a nine plus a six, which is fifteen. Nice. One thing you notice immediately because you're looking to see that kind of poisonous, purplish liquid that seemed to like be in their blood and in their saliva. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as it's flying at you, drooling as if it's starving, you quickly notice that it wasn't in there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you quickly slam the door um, and you can hear it just, just bang yeah. against the door and start clawing at it viciously. Yeah. And she would say, she would kind of, she would kind of immediately look towards like, can you lock the door? Um, uh, and he walks over and take, grabs a little, just a little switch. and goes, goes and then there she you would, go. Just, yeah, she would, she would, um, she would start shoving him. I was, All right, let's go, let's go somewhere safe, somewhere else. <laughs> um, that's when you hear the glass shatter, and it flies through the glass. Um, and then uh, she would, she would kind of, I don't know, pull him into a side room or something, just you know, yeah. out of the main line of sight of the creature. And then she would say, "Can you pull anything out of the crystal that would help us? Can you send me back?" And uh, you think, Orden. You pull the crystal out. Um, she wouldn't pull it out unless he answers. He says, I, I might have something. And then she would, um, they would briefly pause in a side room that she's run into and, and she would unwrap the crystal. She's like, do it, do it now. All right. So he focuses and focuses and just as the creature bursts through that door, um, and has you guys kind of cornered in this little side room, he re- he pulls his, he reaches his hand into the sky and this large wooden staff appears. And then Max would be like, are you fucking... She'd be like, no, not that. But it looks like the staff that they have in the future. He kind of takes a stance and uh, he says, we're all trained once we hit uh, adolescence to defend our city. Well, Vasa slings the crystal back uh, over. I'm assuming like there's only one entrance to this room, so they're kind of cornered. Vasa would kind of be like cursing viciously as she puts the crystal back over but she's like i didn't mean for fighting but she also like, you know, she obviously standing a little bit behind the the, the man says ah oh, you know like fuck and then she would say watch the tail oh how big is the room is the creature it's not able to on? really get all the way in there like you can get in there but it's not going to use its full okay like yeah all right okay so it's your turn all right well, Vasa's just gonna go for broke. She's gonna go in with her scimitar and short sword. Let's go. Roll. Okay, that's 10 plus 6. That makes a 16. That is a hit. Okay, now let's see. First one, scimitar, strike. 
keep that in mind. That's a nine. Next one is short sword. That's a one. Then her little sneak attack thingy. Three. Two. And her final cunning action is to go retreat back, disengage behind the staff man. All right. So, yeah, um, you kind of wa- you run past him and you get in two quick slashes across, uh, like, kind of like right above its midsection. Uh, you draw blood immediately, but it's not tainted. And then you roll back behind him. Uh, he charges forward, spinning his staff, and he lands a, like, he runs forward and then takes the staff and drives it into its neck and then brings the staff up and slams his head against the ceiling. Um, and the creature just ah, pulls back screaming and it's going to take a slash at him. And yeah, you see him just drive his claw forward and pierce his side and then rip it back with his claw. And he looks like he's taking substantial damage. Like he kind of pulls backwards a little bit and he's holding his side, and, but he's not giving up. Uh, it is your turn. Okay. Uh, same thing. Go in attack. Ooh, this time it is a 15. That's it? Oh, okay, good. So, let's see. Scimitar. That's a 9. Short sword. That's a 4. Sneak attack. 3 and 5. So, he spins the staff real quick and jumps up in the air and tries to just crash its face against the wall. And between your two attacks, like in this last hit crashes against the wall and it makes it almost look dizzy as it pulls back trying to collect itself uh it's on the ropes it pulls itself together and then makes one more attack at the guy this claw goes right into his gut and then pulls his claw back out and you watch as orden stumbles over and almost crashes into the ground but he's using his staff to hold himself up but he is bleeding um and it's your turn all right, well, let's go back in and attack this little creature thing. 20, not a natural 20. And then um, this time position herself in front of the, the bleeding man. So you run up and your first hit makes it kind of like keel over. And then your second hit is you jump up and you just cut him from the back to the front along his neck. And he just screams and collapses, bleeding everywhere. Mm-hmm. Is, is he dead? He's dead, yeah. <laughs> you guys destroyed him. All right. She would she would kind of rush to him and sort of offer to support him as commenting, that's some stick you got there. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, <laughs> we, we're our own army. <laughs> and when he fought, you recognized the fighting style. Like, that's what they did to you guys. Yeah, yeah. So then Vasa would say, you know, you know, we cannot, you know, we have to assume there are more out there. You know, where's your, we need to get you patched up. Where's your med kits or your, your healing supplies? We don't have any of that. We, we simply have. Of course you don't. You only have books. No, no, we have our healer. Well, yeah. well, your Jin, Vasa would basically be like, well, your Jenkins is probably dead right now. Sorry to tell you. And no, then. Um, he's not dead. I just saw him. Outside the library. Oh, Where there no. probably are He more. starts stumbling forward. Well, she would, she would try to re- hold him back, and I'm assuming it's not too difficult it's not, for her. Yeah, it's not a yeah, struggle. Yeah, she'd be like, and where do you think you're going? To outside, I have to see if everyone's okay. 
It's like, oh, yes, I'm sure they would love for you to join them in bleeding. Nope, we are going to figure out this and time. And then you hear someone from outside and go like, are you guys okay? And then Vasa would kind of <laughs> stop and go, are you okay? Orin starts to chuckle a little bit. <laughs> and uh, they say, we're, we're, we're okay. So we just had an attack. We saw that one came into your place. Uh, Vasa would kind of be like, you know, she'd, she'd be like, all right. She'd kind of throw up her hands as if she's defeated. Help Orden to the door. And I'm assuming he would unlock the door and open the door. Yeah, but just that little, just the shittiest of locks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's more of a suggestion than a bar- yeah, barrier like, to entry. You should not answer. You should not enter right now because it's supposed to be locked. So that's what the lock <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, he opens the door and everyone kind of rushes in. And you look outside and there's about two or three more of these creatures that are laid out on the ground. Like, huh. knocked out. And several people are coming in have staves. She and kind of, yeah, alright. Even reflecting back on your own experience just now, this thing was not nearly as hard as it was. Mm-hmm. They they rush in and they're like, Orden, 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 someone get Jenkins immediately. And uh, within about ten minutes, uh, <clears throat> this gentleman comes in. He has uh, no hair, at all, and he walks in, he's wearing the same kind of robes, but he seems to be wearing, like, thicker-styled robes, and he has some sort of holy symbol, it's uh, three different spheres interlinked together, and he walks in, and he just kind of says a quick prayer and puts his hand over uh, Orden's wound, and when he pulls it back, while his hand is stained with blood, uh, Orden's able to just pick himself right back up and say, thank you so much, Jenkins. And he seems fine. Vasa would be standing there with kind of her hands on her hips, looking grudgingly impressed. And she kind of just like elbows somebody in the side. And she's like, ah, so your only weakness is sand and floating people with robes, huh? Orden comes over and whether you like it or not, he hugs you this time. He says, how many times are you going to save me in this day? Vasa would politely accept the hug for like maybe half a second. No, 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 no. This, my space. Nope. And then she would say, all right, well, since you're all apparently 100% fine with a little prayer and words, let's get back to figuring out how to get out of here. He says, I'm going to pledge to all of you right now. We are going to get home. We are going to find our way back. If we have to punch a hole through the gray itself, we're going to get back. And especially, and he turns to you and puts his hand on your shoulder if you allow it. He says, especially with our new friend here, there's nothing for us to fear here in the gray. Vasa goes, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, you begin to study, and you learn more and more about how the crystal works, and how time manipulation works, and days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months. Wow, damn, we are spending time here. And months turn into years. Holy shit! After about 10 years worth of Mm -hmm. studying, trial and error, fending yourselves off, keeping yourselves safe, Uh, at one point the city was overrun with these gray creatures, these uh, gray walkers as they call them, Mm -hmm. and you had to retreat for maybe like a month, Mm -hmm. and they needed you to scout and keep an eye on the city and find out when they could go back, and one day the gray walkers were simply missing. And then you were able to escort him back in, and you never saw the Grey Walkers again for some reason. 
you go through, like I said, 10 years worth of study and experimentation, mm-hmm. um, you have become part of the city. Like, mm-hmm. you very much have a life here. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that um, they have actually given you a memory crystal. There's mm-hmm. there's one night in specific where uh, Orden takes you to the side and he says, "I, you know, obviously you've been here with us for a number of years. Mm-hmm. We owe... And, you know, I say it all the time. You're probably sick of hearing it, but uh, we owe everything to you. You saved our city. Tremessa wouldn't exist <laughs> without you. And I think it's it's been far too long uh, since we've actually done something for you. And I want to present you with one of our memory crystals. Mm-hmm. And he hands the crystal over to you. And it's just like the one that you guys took and smashed, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says... You know enough about the crystals now to know how these work. Um, Just let your memories and your timeline kind of wrap around this crystal. Because what that means is that no matter what happens, if if we end up in the past, if if the Chrono somehow were to mess with your timeline, uh, I can't promise you that you'll be immune to the effects of severing a timeline. But... If they change anything, if something were to change, you'll always remember. Mm-hmm. You won't ever lose those memories. <laughs> There's no way to pay you back for what you've done for our people, but I hope you accept this. Mm-hmm. And then do you like fashion it as a, as a necklace? Do you keep it in a pouch? Do you put it on your own weapon or something? Like, how do you want to keep it? I think... So for Vasa, she she probably instinctively would try to make it into some sort of necklace, and then it, was, it would actually be one of those moments where she, in trying it on as a necklace, she touches the pouch around her neck that had the dream shard, something that she actually has not touched in or looked at in a very long time because she's been spending ten years essentially living a life in the gray, learning with these people. <laughs> And she would that that moment would kind of cause a moment of recognition, or as if like you're remembering a faint memory in her. She's recalling a faint memory, and then she might she would she would stop trying to put it on as a necklace, and she would just kind of slip it into her backpack. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like I said, after ten years have passed, I finally uh, and. A lot of the city's been rebuilt in that time. They've taken time to pull the city out of people's memories. Um, sometimes they've just done simple construction um, mm-hmm. by finding like different kinds of weird woods and stuff like that that exist mm-hmm. here. Um, but after about ten years, like I said, um, finally, Orden thinks that you're ready. The time has come. Everyone's gathered at the library. And Orden thanks everyone for coming and says that um, he believes that they have the ritual needed to pierce the veil between the Grey and Obrimos and bring everyone back. It's taken Mm -hmm. ten years. Uh, It's going to cost one more thing. And he says that uh, we're going to have to and it's going to be worth it, because we're going to get back and we can rebuild. But we're going to have to burn the power out of a lot of our crystals. It'll still work, but 
uh, one thing you've noticed in your time here is that you've not been a, anything that you've been learning more and more about what the crystals can do. They should allow you to travel back and forth through time and all this crazy stuff. But because there are no functional time ways in the gray, you can't do it. You assume you can, but you guys haven't been able to do anything. And so he explains all the theories we've come up with on what we can and cannot do. We're going to have to drain most of the power out of our own crystals to get back. And so it'll take a long time before we're able to truly test the theories and the uh, do experiments like we like we want to. Uh, I think we'd all agree it's a small price to pay. Well, Vasa, Vasa would interrupt and say, draining these crystals? You mean draining the crystals that hold memories of who you are? If everyone contributes a little, nothing will happen to the crystals. We're all and going to share the burden. It'll be like getting tired. Vasa would kind of... She would look disturbed. Yeah, everyone is unsettled by it. And he says, I know yeah. that it's a leap, but it's it's either this or the gray. You're kind of uh, thrown off by the fact that a lot of people look to you. I mean, you've always been like the protector of the city. Mm -hmm. But more and more, like especially in this moment, they really are looking to you almost as like a leader. Vasa would sort of say... You're gambling everything that we have waited 10 years for on this theory. We should give the people time to think. Give the people time to decide if they will risk their crystals for this. And one of them steps forward. Uh, Jenkins, actually, the the wise man, the cleric, <laughs> uh, the spiritual leader of the people. He says, I do not think you are ever supposed to be here, but I am glad that you are. And he puts his hand on your shoulder, and he says, I think that your decision will be the rest of our decisions. Vasa would say, give me, give me a night to think over this. The city, some people breathe a sigh of relief. Some people are more anxious now because they have to wait. But the city splits uh, and returns to their domiciles. Mm -hmm. And um, Jenkins says, do you need to talk about this? And Vasa would say, well, I'm assuming Jenkins is a bit of a sort of a wise figure amongst yep. the people. Yes. Yeah, so Jen Vasa would say, yes, absolutely. So uh, he takes you back to one of the churches, one of the temples. Basically, you guys both sit at a pew. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Forgive me, Father. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he says, so what's on your mind? What, what do well, you think mm -hmm. of this situation? Vasa would um, divert with a question of her own and says, you know, what happens to someone when their crystal is drained? What happens to them? Well, it's a tricky way to answer this. Um, as far as I can tell, like, I'm going to give you the scientific answer first. Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to give you my answer. Mm -hmm. The scientific answer is that once that crystal is drained, they don't exist anymore because their timelines are severed. You would actually, you couldn't just simply break it mm -hmm. and destroy someone's timeline. You would actually have to drain it of all of its energy, every last bit of it. And if you were to do that, you would essentially uh, imagine a noodle being slurped up by a hungry child. <laughs> that would be you bringing in the timeline until there was nothing left. Now, what do I think? Well, as you know, I'm a, a religious man. I am a believer, and 
I I can't believe that people would simply stop existing. They would not be remembered. The gods remember. I I still Mm -hmm. believe no matter what all of the research and the science says that if tomorrow something were to go wrong, I still believe that we would all stand together before the gates of the next world. How did the large crystal, how did that preserve your people? What is its tie to all of you? Because you all have your own crystals. Yes, yes, we all have our own crystals, but that crystal, think of that crystal as the main record keeper. Instead of history books, we started putting everything and tying everything together to that. Even though we each have our own crystal, they're all tethered to the main crystal that Orden has. So it's it's sort of an anchor that keeps everything in place. You know, and what if that crystal crystal were to break? <sighs> I think if that crystal were to shatter, the memory of our city would be gone, and all of our lives would become uh, shattered as well. I don't know that we'd all stop existing, but I think that the one thing that keeps us together and the the very community, the spirit of the city itself would be shattered because nobody would remember the city. So everybody would be left wondering who they are, where they're from. They would know up to a point, but the city itself would be ripped out of the crystals. Basa would kind of just nod as she's listening to this. And he says, I don't know if this is making you lean one way or the other, but I'll tell you one more thing. I do think that this place will not just kill us physically. It's going to be the death of us spiritually. Ten long years in this dreaded wasteland. Seeing things that can never be repeated. This is no life for us. Without the large crystal, the other crystals would still exist. Yes, I believe so. They just wouldn't have the anchor of community. I guess the next thing she would ask is... Well, you know what? She don't, She wouldn't even need to ask, you know, how much do you trust or- Orden's knowledge? Because she has worked alongside him for 10 years, so she would have a pretty good, good gauge. Where would her gauge be, by the way? He is just a kind-hearted, overworked... Um, like, he, he just... He truly believes... Mm-hmm. He believes he has to carry the burdens of the entire city. Mm-hmm. He feels responsible because he was part of the research that drew attention toward, you know, from the Kronos. Um, you've seen him at different times really suffering from that burden mm-hmm. of he has to wrestle with the idea. Like, he's the he's doing everything he can to save everyone, but in some way it's also his fault that we're even in this situation in the first place. Um. Vasa would, in the privacy of this pew, I guess, <laughs> um, admit to uh, Jenkins. She, she says, "You know, I care about your people." She just—that's all she would say to him. And he kind of smiles as we know. And then she would she would rise, and then she would actually go to find Orden. Okay, Orden um, is stereotypical in his um, the fact that he's always in the library. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he lives there. He's he's never lived outside mm-hmm. of the library since you guys got here, mm-hmm. and he's just reading from a book. Mm-hmm. And then she would say. She would kind of knock on the door and enter even without... She would be like, Orden, we need to talk without... Obviously, she hasn't lost that part of her. And she was like, Orden, we need to talk. And she just walks in and sits... No, she says, sit, sit, sit. You're going to need to listen for a while. Okay. So she would sit down and she would say... She would basically start not necessarily discussing um, the the origins of her quest of why she was a Tremessa, but she says, you know, my friends and I on on our quest... We entered Tremessa, and there we found what I believe were your people, but they were not your people. And she would just go into all the details of how horrible and drained and just empty they were and the way they fought. And she would basically list all the ways of like, you know, these are your people, you know, she would emphasize that very hard. And she would say, and then she would kind of, um, and she would also kind of play up and emphasize the fact that, you know, it is no way to live. Like these are soulless, hungry, wandering uh, creatures at most. Like she, they, they're not people. They don't. They talk some strange language, anything like that. And how she would talk about how they worship those crystals, how they could pull themselves out of time, how there was a huge one in the library that she had never seen before. She would describe the sickly color of their crystals versus how vibrant they are now. And she would end with, you know, when we... When we began all this, had I known that your people and and the very existence and continuance of your people was connected to the crystal you gave me to save, I would have shattered it on the spot. But it's too late for that now. I've been with you 10 years, and I've come to consider you important to me. What do you think your plan will do? Will it create those creatures I saw? Will you become those creatures I saw? What I think is, I don't know, again, I mean, it's it's so frustrating to know the future and not know the future at the same time. I can only tell you that, I think Jenkins kind of mentioned it earlier, that you weren't supposed to be here, but he's glad you are here. I, it's the first time I've ever disagreed with a holy man, I think you were supposed to be here. I think that you're here to help us get on the right track. Vasa shakes her head and she says, if I was meant to be here, that means I will be, and I was meant to make the decision, that means I will make the decision that dooms your people to a lifeless wandering as a cursed cursed city. Let me ask you something, because it's something that I've been wondering for a while now. Did you talk to any of us? When your group approached, did... I, I mean, you've said before that you were attacked immediately, but I guess my question is, you don't know why you were attacked. You don't know that we were mindless savages. Do you? She would say, we called out to you, we told you to stop, and you continued attacking. Look what we've been through already. <laughs> Who knows what else we'll go through, but the difference is, the difference is that in that timeline, we didn't have you. Whatever happened, think about it. Think about the idea that we we must have survived the Kronos attack in your timeline, but we did so, it must have been tragic and terrible, and it dismissed us. 
to this horrible, wretched realm. And I will tell you honestly that I don't know the kind of person I would be right now if it wasn't for you here helping me. If I had to carry this burden by myself, I don't know what it would do to me. Maybe it would make me like the things that you meant in the future. And Vasa would kind of um, kind of try to interject and be like, but their skin, their faces, it was all drained and, and shriveled. I think we deserve the shot. And, and Vasa just kind of, she's silent. She has a very, and if you were to look at her now, I mean, she's obviously, it's just, are people aging? Like, is yeah. it? Okay, yeah. So she's, um, she was in her mid to late 20s. So she's now in her mid to late 30s now. There's a more, um, I think if anybody saw her when she was in her late, late 20s, they would have said there was a very lively, greedy light to her eyes. <laughs> and now there's a much more steady, patient light. There's still like a quickness. Like, you know, this is a lady yeah. who will sniff you out quick, but there's less of a, Youthful playfulness, we'll say. Yeah. You know, she's definitely become also hardened because she has taken on the burden of protecting these people and obviously befriended them all that. And it's a harsh it's a harsh place to gray. Alright, so she's very silent, she's brooding, and you can see that she has filled even more into the role of whatever leader she used to be. She's now burdened with the survival of a basically whatever city this is. <laughs> and she'll kind of just she'll kind of just kind of nod as Tom as uh Orden is talking, and then she'll say, "Okay." And then, and then she'll. Oh, by the way, has she learned how to fight the staff at all? Like how to use the staff? Yeah, I'm assuming that in ten years she would have just been like, yeah. "Oh, hey, teach me that shit." Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. You can use the staff the same way they can. Ooh, can use staff now. Okay, and then she kind of very dimly. I'm assuming she kind of had the help with a crystal for. Okay, it's very dim, but she kind of tries to recall the chanting she heard that night it's obviously she's piecing the memory together but she kind of makes out a few syllables aren't there like she's like what yeah. do you recognize this and she kind of repeats it to him yeah i recognize it as the uh it's the ritual that i'd like to do tonight or tomorrow and vasa kind of looks at him and there's like this old the old smirk that she's so that's so <laughs> classic to her and she's like that does not make me feel better no 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 wait a second we're trying to return home with that chant. <laughs> Maybe we're trying to return home in the future as well. Vasa would sigh deeply and kind of hang her head and scratch her head and like, oh, I don't like this decision. <laughs> and then she says, um, she kind of looks up to Orden, who, and from her facial expression, you can tell that, you know, she thinks of him as a friend now. And she says, like, oh, I've never been afraid of gambles, but 10 years is a long, a long time to gamble. And then she, and then, then she would just kind of look at him and be like, "Any advice?" <laughs> I'm going to spike your thoughts, unfortunately, but my advice would be to remember when you were an adventurer, and remember that you always took the chance instead of the odds. The little you've told me of your adventuring days. You know, how many times did you live your life according to calculated risk versus reward? You know, you probably haven't. I don't know if you've thought about it or not, but maybe this is how you get back to your friends. Vasa would um, sort of, as as Orden is trying to remind Vasa of who she used to be, Vasa would kind of <laughs> pick up a book and just like playfully slap him on the arm with it. Kind of like, <laughs> ah, 
you'd fucking know how to get me. And in, in that <laughs> moment, you would see sort of like a relivening of her as she used to be before the whole calm descends upon her. And I think it's it's that transition that you clearly see that she might she might have been a leader to begin with, but she was a gang leader. Now <laughs> she's almost more like more like a ruling leader who take who who feels the lives that are in her hand. A gang leader is willing to risk all those lives because it's about the chase, it's about the adventure and the chance. Yeah. A ruling leader is cares about preserving and continuation. And you see that, you know, as much as he's trying to provoke her, she's feeling that weight and she's no longer as rash with yeah. her gambles. So yep. And with that, she sort of says, All right, back to your books. Back to your books, old man. And then she <laughs> kind of walks out. Um okay. She would go back to her home. She would spend the night, um, obviously not sleeping too much. And then she would she would gather the people in the morning, and they would assemble around her, I guess, in front of the library, because where else? She would look at these people, and she would say, in the time where I come from, you, I, I've known you. You are a drained, cursed people. Um who scared me and attacked my friends. When I first met you and thought I held your lives in my hand, I, I plotted to end your existence. But in the time that I've come to know you, have come to know your lives, I see that you are a people that I cannot s- sacrifice so easily, that you are rich, that you are, you are deep in culture and worth a fighting chance. And personally, and she pauses dramatically, I missed the taste of my mead. Let's try getting back. And then she kind of like lets the people respond a bit. And they they there's a they start to cheer and there's laughter. There's a laughter that you even though you've all have overcome and come together as a people and you're all one city, there's a laughter that you haven't they none of them have felt in a long long time. And Orden says, "All right, let us begin. Everyone, hold your crystal into the air." And Vasa would raise her crystal as well. And then he... What's up? Vasa would raise her crystal as well, obviously, because she would contribute. And um, by the way, uh, the large crystal, which she had hoarded in the beginning, by like the third year, she would no longer have kept it close to her house. It probably (laughs) would have been moved to like a public area, like the library or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He actually decides to put it in the library about four feet off the ground and kind of stick it in place, which is the same amount of space the large crystal was. Mm-hmm. Um. So he begins the chant, and as he begins the chant, you remember it more and more, and it builds and builds and builds, and finally, at its peak, there is this crackling blue energy—the same blue energy that hit you, but started all of this—and it's racing all along the crystal. And then finally it leaps out and it hits each crystal, like lightning jumps from crystal to crystal to crystal until you're all kind of networked together uh, into the same main crystal. And then the lightning builds and builds and builds and there's a huge flash of light. Thanks for listening to our Patreon-exclusive episode, The Travelers Part 1. The file was actually too big originally, so I had to break it up into two parts. So the second episode is already up and available for download, so go check that out.
thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. That's where we got a lot of the music from today's episode. Uh, definitely wanted to give him a shout out and thank that entire site for making this episode sound a lot better than it would have. Um, the sand you heard in today's episode was courtesy of freesoundeffects.co.uk. Also wanted to thank BattleBards.com for some of the music that we used today. And also thanks again, as always, to Sirenscape, who provided some of the sound effects you heard today. Visit them at Sirenscape.com.